Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 to 33. The men sent to explore the land of Canaan came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Well, it's a, a great uh, joy and privilege uh, to be in this church. I've heard so many reports of it and of the wonderful uh, building that took place here and the miracles of provision that you experienced. Uh, this weekend, uh, we've come up here, but just on Tuesday and Wednesday, we were leading, my wife Annie and I were leading a retreat for a, a church at Chipping Norton, and a certain Roger and Ursula Simpson uh, were there. They're working there in that church, and they did ask me to give warmest greetings uh, to those of you who remember them when they were here. And they're really utterly thrilled to see what God has been doing in your midst. Well, <clears throat> I want to talk about a continuing journey of faith. And I'm taking the story here of the recce patrol that uh, Moses sent uh, 12 spies to look at the promised land. There's a wonderful verse uh, in the words of David in Psalm 18:29, where he says, by you I can crush a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. And David knew what it was to face obstacles but actually to surmount them and to win victories. Uh, and essentially David is saying to us that great obstacles can be overcome if God is with us. Great obstacles can be overcome if God is with us. That's true for a community of faith,
but it's true for individuals, because all of us face uh, obstacles. And the story of Scripture is one of leaders uh, overcoming obstacles in their path that seemed impossible. Joshua's journey of faith uh, seemed uh, impossible, but it was an example of a promise of God that was realized and experienced because of their faith. I heard the other day a pastor say that he came to his uh, staff meeting and he said, I want to ban uh, the word problem and substitute for it opportunity. I want to ban the word problem and substitute the word opportunity. And this story that you have, you have read uh, to you uh, begins with Joshua learning uh, the walk of faith under the tutelage of Moses. You know, leaders don't just arrive. Like minerals, they are, they are fashioned in secret places. And Joshua goes through a learning process as he becomes a follower of Moses. And no God-given leader becomes that without first being a follower. And the wonderful story here begins in chapters 13 and 14. And what struck me was that the question that they're faced is, is what do you see? What do you see? Now, that's a question we need to ask ourselves when we're facing any challenge. What do we see? And uh, we see, what we see determines the outcome of a task or objective that we undertake. And it has to do with morale and faith. Uh, faith in God's promise is crucial to achieving any objective. And you know that so well in this big project of building, but also in the way that this church is reaching into its community and into the city. Uh, I'm reminded of the words of St. Paul uh, when he said he looks beyond the physical to see uh, what God can bring into being. And he says, we do not lose heart because we look not at what is seen, but what is unseen. For what can be seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And Paul's been speaking about us carrying in our broken vessels the treasure of the gospel. Uh, he said, we carry God's treasure in clay jars that the extraordinary power of God belongs to us and does not come from us, but from God. And we as disciples, you know, are able to achieve much more than humanly is possible because we have that privilege of calling into being uh, the resources of God and of heaven. We call down heaven uh, onto earth we pray that in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And this story is about the potential for each disciple to be a carrier of God's presence and power. Uh, what do you see, uh, Moses asked them, as they went into the promised land, to look and to bring back a report? And this story is about the perspective that these 12 people had. Um, taking the land was not Moses' idea, 
it was God's promise to his people that he was going to come down and deliver them from the pharaohs and bring them to the promised land. Now they'd come in sight of that promise. They had seen God act so powerfully on their behalf with miracles. And Moses is told by the Lord to do this, send men from each tribe, everyone a leader, to spy out the land of Canaan from each tribe. And that would be a familiar thing uh, to the army of God. Uh, a recce patrol to see and gather intelligence about the land, its topography, its resources, its potential obstacles, its fortifications, and its manpower. And their commission is, is given to them by Moses, be bold and bring back some of the fruit of the land. So I asked that question, what did they see? Now they all saw the same things. Uh, the narrative is about this. Now, ten of them saw what was before them. They saw the good fruit. They saw the difficulties. They saw the giants. They saw the obstacles to their progress. They were looking at what they could manage, not at what God promised he would do through them. And they deemed that that journey, that occupation of the land was impossible they failed to factor in God's faithfulness, to factor in God's promise, uh, and that he was giving this land to his people. They gave heart room to fear and unbelief. And those two are very destructive forces in any individual, in any army, or in any church. Joshua and Caleb saw differently. They saw the same things, but their perspective was different. They saw the possibilities of grasping what God had promised, and they looked at it with faith. It's a good land. It's got abundance of resources and agriculture. Yes, there are obstacles, but Caleb said this, we should go up and take it. We are well able to overcome it. The language of faith was so important. And the crucial difference between the ten and the two uh, is one of perspective. Do you remember the story of David and Goliath? Uh, Goliath was a giant of a man, uh, nine foot or more, uh, a, a great warrior. David was a stripling with a stone and a sling. What chance had he against such a giant? And the majority of the army was saying, he's too big to fight. David was saying to himself, he's so big I can't miss. He's so big I can't miss. And Joshua is encouraged by Moses. This is what Moses says to him. Be strong and bold, for you are the one who will go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their ancestors to give them and you will put them in possession of it. Now that was a promise that God gave uh, to Joshua through his servant Moses. Now, I just want to look uh, briefly at the lessons from this story. Firstly, that majority opinion is not often right. It always errs on caution. It errs 
on what we deem is possible. But that is to cut out the, the great language of God's possibility. In effect, it weakens morale of our people. I love the words of Martin Luther King who said this, you see things as they are and ask why, I see things as they never were and say why not? And that's the language of faith. You see, unbelief breeds negativity in any disciple or in any community. It's contagious. What they said to Moses as they looked at the giants and brought back the report, we seem to be grasshoppers in their eyes. And that's not actually what the enemy felt. Rahab the harlot said of uh, the people of Jericho that when they heard what God had done for his people in bringing them through the Red Sea, their hearts melted with fear. So what the 10 were saying was a false report uh, and it was an unfavorable report. So they said, we're not able to go up against it for they are stronger than we are. And what was tragic about this, they also said this, they, the land we've gone through devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are of great size. So they discounted the experience of God in the past, going through the Red Sea. They, it, they discounted the voice of faith. They undermined Moses' leadership and they opposed God himself. And the awful result of their, the Thames uh, withdrawal was actually that they, they never entered into that promised land. They wasted 40 years in the wilderness till that generation had died out. And then only Joshua and Caleb went in to possess that land. None of those who said no to God prospered. Now, what did Joshua and Caleb see? Just briefly, they saw the promise of God. Without faith, it's impossible to <coughs> please God. He that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. They remembered God's faithfulness to them in the past and they counted on God's presence going forward with them. So Caleb... Uh, said this, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. We are well able to possess the land. And Joshua, speaking the language of faith in chapter 14 and verse 6 to 8, says this, the land we went through as spies is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are more than bread for us. They're going to actually feed us. Uh, we're able uh, to take them. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And I know that as, as a church, uh, the language of faith was so essential in this whole project 
of the church retransforming this building. The language of faith is so essential in terms of reaching into the city and impacting the city for God. And the crucial question for us when facing challenges or difficulties is what do we see? I want to give three brief illustrations in closing. My son, Pete, uh, went out with tear funds uh, to Kenya and they went to a village which uh, had a, a, a swamp in the village. And um, I'm not able to show you the pictures, but the village uh, swamp was a breeding ground for mosquitoes who fed off the swamp. Malaria was rampant in that village. Many, many children died of malaria, and many adults died. Uh, there was no water, so eking out a living was very, very difficult, and the villagers were uh, in despair. They saw no other way than just eking out a miserable existence. They could not see a solution to their problem. And uh, they went out with Tear Fund, and a Tear Fund agriculturalist saw a different possibility. And he got the village men, there were lots of them who were hardly occupied, he got them to dig up the swamp. And they dug for about six meters, and then they struck water. And uh, the, the waters uh, came, you know, bubbled up, and the villagers then went to the markets and bought fish. And they put fish in the pond. And uh, <coughs> the, the fish grew very big because they ate the mosquitoes. And so the problem of malaria was solved. And they, they took fish to market and started to make a, a good living. And they built a school and they built a hospital clinic. And uh, the whole village was transformed. The whole uplift came because this Tear Fund agriculturists saw a solution, whereas the others simply couldn't see one. And uh, they, they uh, dug another uh, lake, and uh, the whole village prospered wonderfully. And then I just, um, speaking personally, um, thinking about growing older. <laughs> and some of us uh, are facing that. Some of us uh, uh, have retired. And we, we have less energy uh, than we did before. Uh, we can often view this, the loss of physical strength, sometimes the loss of role and opportunity. We can view this uh, as a real difficulty, and it causes despair to many. But actually, if we are to see it with God's eyes, it can be a new opportunity for a different way of living. Do you remember the words of St. Paul where he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect out of weakness. Weakness and vulnerability comes more and more to those who are aging. Now our culture often doesn't value old age, but there are gifts of wisdom. There are gifts of courage and faith we can impart to the next generation. Um, 
I remember uh, saying to my sons, I've got three sons, and I felt on one occasion with Annie that uh, they're, they're walking with the Lord, two of them are ministers, um, and the other is a musician. And I, I felt with Annie that we should gather them together, and uh, we got a baton, you know, a, a relay baton, and I got inscribed on the baton their name, uh, Timothy, one who honors God. And I put the verse on that. And I remember doing that for Peter, uh, the rock. He always used to say, I'm a rock. Uh, and put that on and the, the verse um, where Jesus said to Peter, you are a rock. And on this rock I will build my church. And then for Stephen, it's a crown. And we gave this baton to each of them and said, look, uh, we, we, we're thrilled that God is at work in your life and that you're following him. But we want to pass the baton of faith on to you because you start from where we're finishing. You don't go back to square one where we were. You start with a story that you've experienced as we've made a journey together. And I believe that's uh, a really important thing. And the other thing I just want to say uh, about growing older, um, you know, Joshua won that battle of Jericho because there was an unseen force and presence. Do you remember Moses was up and Aaron and Hur lifted up his hands in prayer? And when Moses grew tired, he, his hands dropped, but they lifted them up. And when the hands were lifted up in prayer, the battle went Joshua's way. And you know, one of the great things we can do if we're older is to lift up hands in prayer. Uh, I remember we had prayer triplets uh, in our church. Uh, what about being part of a prayer triplet which would pray for the church, which would pray for the leaders. And actually, as you pray, the, the very resources of heaven are released upon the army of God. It's a tremendous gift. You know, I know David and, and many here would know that prayer accomplishes great things. Um, so that's, that's something that we can have. Uh, we have, um, uh, now both sets of parents have died, but we had um, Annie's mother and father. He was a missionary and he uh, founded um, the uh, All Nations Christian College. And uh, he died and his mother was a woman of prayer, incredible woman of prayer. And uh, I remember we, we would often pray with her as we visited her in this old people's home. She was paralyzed uh, from a, a, a stroke, but she still prayed. And uh, I remember her saying to us, because one of her grandsons uh, separated from the family and went to live in Europe, and no one knew where he was. And she prayed, she prayed for this young man for 20 years. And uh, she said to us, I'm, I'm praying that he will come back, but I'm praying that I will see him before I die. 
And I remember Annie and I going to visit her in this old people's home. And we noticed there were some pictures on the, the side table. And we looked at them. And it was a picture of her grandson with his wife and two children. They had been to visit her that very morning. And you know, that kind of prayer really brings a tremendous result. So let's pray uh, for our grandchildren and for, for others. Don't give up the battle of prayer because it will re reap a reward. And perhaps the last thing I just want to say is that one of the challenges we had when uh, in 2009 I retired from St. John's Harborne, but we had no house to go to. And fortunately, the diocese said we could live in the vicarage for six months, which we did. And we were praying that uh, somehow we would be able to find a house. We had <clears throat> not much money. And uh, we, we remember God saying to us, he gave us two verses, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And also uh, from Lamentation 3.21, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. I can't really have time to tell you the story, but someone had a dream in which the Lord said to this person, um, John and Annie are needing to find a house, and John has it as a real concern. And uh, she went and shared that dream, and as a result of that, um, many in the church were able to give something towards that, and Tim, uh, my son, gave something, and we were able to get a house. Uh, a house that was beyond what we ever imagined it would be, has a walled garden. And when we are in that house, every day we wake up, we just thank God. God, you're so wonderful. God, you're so wonderful. So I just want to leave that with you. What do you see? Dear friends, I want to encourage you to ask God to continue to help to see with the eyes of faith that what he might bring out of the challenges that you face. You've seen wonderful things already, but um, there's much more to be possessed. Uh, what things, what further things might God have in mind for this people, for this community, for this city? What you see will change the way you act. Let's pray.